I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. The power of the ESG, environmental, social, and corporate governance, investing movement is propelled by powerful allies among funds managers, perhaps none more prominent than BlackRock, which manages over $8 trillion in assets. But is BlackRock's advancement of the environmentalist agenda a sincere commitment or cynical greenwashing, seeking public relations advantage? Joining me to discuss the question is my Capital Research Center colleague, Ken Braun. Uh, Ken, welcome back. Hi, good to be here, Mike. So what is ESG and where does BlackRock fit into it? Uh, You told us what ESG uh, stands for, Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance Movement. Um, It is a, to put a fine point on it, an effort by the left to accomplish through pushing, pressuring corporations and big investment firms like BlackRock into doing the political, largely environmental, and and some social ideas, uh, um, social issue ideas, uh, agenda items, union uh, labor ideas, uh, agenda items as well, to get them to, to, to get corporations to enact these these things that they can't get Congress to push on the corporations. Um, a lot of climate goals, uh, think, things such as you know banning the investments in fossil fuel exploration, trying to deny uh, energy companies financing uh, through through major banks and all. These are the sorts of things they do. BlackRock has been uh, of the big investment firms, the largest investment firm in the world, um, in saying that these are important goals for them. Uh, BlackRock's execution of those goals has been somewhat less strident, though quietly so, um, leading to BlackRock more or less getting criticized from the left and the right for um, uh, upsetting both of them. Yeah, so so this gets into the question. So underlying this accusation of greenwashing is an, is a seems to me to be a claim that what the company is doing is insincere. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, I think that they tried to, I think Larry Fink, the chairman of BlackRock, to, to whatever degree he, he believes this stuff himself, uh, I think he, you can see it in BlackRock's behavior, which we can get into, but I don't think that they, their money is really into it all the way. And the initial effort, I would argue, was BlackRock's putting their finger up in the wind and saying, "Ooh, there's, there's, you know, we can, we can maybe get some of these big uh, pension funds and, and you know, that are run by you know, government pension funds that are run by some of these environmental crazies. We can get them to buy in to, to become customers if we speak loudly on the things that'll make them happy." It was a marketing tool, for mm. in, in, in other words. So. Uh, why should uh, our listeners care about BlackRock in particular? Why, you know, it's the, you know, they're, they're a private company. They can do what they want. Why, why should we go beyond that line of reasoning? Um, 
One can, as, as a, a very persuasive column in the Wall Street Journal uh, just this morning pointed out, uh, one can overdo the concern with BlackRock. I would say BlackRock is important as a bellwether. You can see what, you know, how, how much is pushed around by this movement, the real strong players in this movement, and, you know, it, that'll judge how how dangerous the movement really is. And I think there's evidence that BlackRock, um, you know, something more dangerous, uh, I would argue, is the Securities and Exchange Commission trying to require disclosure of climate-related risks. This is a new... Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is part of the Biden administration's yeah. agenda, is to... Right. I'll, 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 let, I'll let you explain, because you probably know it better than I do. They want the so the the the, the Securities Exchange Commission has put out some proposed rules, I uh, believe, back in May, uh, that would require companies to disclose their climate to, to issue disclosing what the SEC defines as their climate related risks. Um, the, the, SEC, complicated... the SEC just just two seconds. The SEC, for those who may not know, is the federal regulatory agency that governs publicly traded companies, companies that are on the stock exchange. And who BlackRock, uh, BlackRock itself is on the exchange, but BlackRock is a major investor in some of the biggest ones that are on the exchange, uh, one of the top five in a dizzying number of companies. Um, so anyway, BlackRock's, uh, the, the, the SEC's proposed rules would... Um, require disclosures of all these corporations to disclose their climate-related risks uh, as defined by the SEC. This is important because if these, the effort to invest in all, to, to claim that ESG investments are, are good investments and not, you know, not harmful to shareholders because they're a political investment rather than a sound financial investment, that changes if the com if a company can waive these SEC requirements up there and say, look, the SEC says these are a found, you know, that we made a sound financial investment based on all of these climate related risks. So it's a way of redefining what a sound in financial investment is. Um, right, because this, this gets us into the sort of things that Vivek Ramaswamy has talked about. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, his argument is that, you know, we allowed corporations to exist basically to make money, not to carry out social policy. And this is the Biden administration trying to align its social policy with uh, what would otherwise be considered financial considerations. It's not too much of a stretch to say this is just an Orwellian effort to redefine the language, redefine what a profitable investment is, what a sound investment is. Um, you know, that is very dangerous. And interestingly, BlackRock was one of the firms that sent a, a, a public comment to the Securities and Exchange Commission putting some cold water on this and, and, and indicating that they weren't entirely on board with it. So worry more about the SEC. Watch what BlackRock does as, a, as, a, as evidence of whether this movement is really – is really succeeding. Also, I would say watch a lot of the um, uh, the nonprofits that are that are most strident and and most uncompromising uh, on this matter. Who are who um, are some of those? Who are some of those nonprofits? Uh, yeah. So uh, the World Resource Institute, 
has a, a sustainable and something or other um, program that uh, is used by a lot of, uh, of you know, the, the SEC, for example, in judging what is a sustainable investment and what isn't. Um, another group called the Carbon Disclosure Project is a nonprofit that, um, you know, is seen by a lot of these groups, including they've had partnerships with BlackRock, uh, stating what you know they they're the ones the the goal the 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 referees uh, so to speak who decide what is a a carbon friendly investment and what isn't. Um, Principles for Responsible Investment is a um, is a an organization that receives. Um, uh, that, that was mentioned in the Wall Street Journal this morning and is, is also um, uh, used kind of internationally as the, as the gold standard of, of what, what is a good investment and what, what isn't. Are the, these, what, are these non-pro- mm-hmm. what do these nonprofits want companies to do? What are they, what are they trying to get companies to do? Um, they, they, it, as I said before, um, regarding um, energy companies, they, you know, there's a kind of amorphous g- group of uh, agenda items that they that they have. Most of them coalesce around defunding the energy that we use the most of, oil, gas, coal, and putting uh, putting mo- you know favoring wind, solar, um, the so-called renewable energy systems that. Uh, won't provide power so they will go to lengths to say well we want these banks to not offer uh, loans to such companies so let's get uh, jp morgan and morgan stanley and citibank and bank of america and you know the big the big players in the industry we want you to to get off the you know to just cut off your financing to these companies they won't be able to do any oil drilling if you don't give them the capital to do so um mm-hmm. Just last week, um, on that point, and you can, you know, similar to BlackRock, uh, there was an organization called, um, or is an organization called the Glasgow, I forget the name of it off, but uh, the Glasgow, a very important uh, European based program that was advancing these agenda items partnered with the United Nations to do this, to say that very thing, let's cut off the financing to these items, to these types of companies. Um, J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley and I believe Bank of America had been members of this Glasgow um, initiative and announced last week that there, or there was a story last week, I don't know if they announced it, no announcement, but these banks, there's a, there's a quiet revolution going on. These banks are starting to hint that they may pull out of this um, initiative because of their concerns that they will be divided as to whether they can serve their shareholders profitably or serve this radical agenda and they can't do both so they're then they'll get sued if they they do bad by their shareholders so they're they're looking to maybe get out of the way of that again Mm -hmm. if you go and change the rules the way the sec wants to then that you know makes right, makes right. life and, easier and, and, for them. And any threat from the outside that they would be sued would go away. True. You know, knowing that some of these financial companies are starting to to balk at 
some of what these ESG nonprofits want, where, where does BlackRock stand? So one uh, a, a telling point on this, um, a couple of years ago, BlackRock was involved in a, and BlackRock is a major shareholder in ExxonMobil, um, obviously a big energy company, a big fossil fuel energy company. BlackRock is involved in a proxy war touched off by a little tiny hedge fund called Engine Number One. By, by, uh, proxy, engine num- by, by proxy war, you mean like in the in the proxy statement of corporate governance? Right. They're trying to take over a couple of board seats on Exxon, a couple of board seats at Exxon Mobil in order to push more of this, supposedly promote more of this anti-fossil fuel, anti-energy agenda, and I, I don't know, you know, the, the, the specific, you know, push more into renewable energy. I don't know if that means or even if you know whether that means Exxon's supposed to sell all their oil drilling equipment and buy windmills or, or how that's supposed to work. But the vague outlines of it were we want to put these four people on board seats, engine number one's perspective, the, the hedge fund, and Exxon jumps in, or Exxon, BlackRock jumps in with them and says, yeah, we'll do that. We'll help you out and, and push this pushed these these board three of these four board seats and they succeeded they and they got vanguard another monstrous um uh, uh retirement fund yeah fund manager and and state street global uh, advisors so the three biggest fund managers got behind this little hedge fund that owned like a 0.2% of exxon these got together on like 20% they won the proxy battle won the battle for the board seats. Exxon's management was against this. They wanted to keep their, you know, previously held, uh, previous board members in place, but they lost, and um, BlackRock uh, helped bring about this change. So what what does this mean? Is Exxon going to just change its stripes and become a completely different company? Fast forward to this summer, or this spring, rather, when gas price, gasoline prices were shooting through the roof, and no less than Joe Biden apparently didn't get the message that Exxon had become a, a, a brand new transformed green energy company or, or whatever was supposed to happen. Biden starts denouncing Exxon for making confiscatory profits and, and just being a terrible operator and telling them to pay their taxes, I think was the line, and and invest more in, in energy. Exxon replies to the president with a very... Uh, pointed news release saying, you know, things such as, of course, we pay our taxes and we've invested $50 billion in energy exploration more than any other company. And by energy exploration, you mean conventional the stuff that Exxon is the stuff that Exxon has become one of the largest companies in the world doing um, over over its history. Yeah, oil and gas exploration. Biden is telling them to do more oil and gas exploration. Exxon is chirping back that we're doing it more than anybody else. Nobody in any of this dispute mentions getting out of this business at all. It was was as if that entire proxy war that dominated so much attention, uh, you know, as an ES victory the year before made any difference whatsoever. Exxon was behaving just like they should behave Exxon, as a company. Exxon was being an oil company, 
surprise. Exxon was being an oil company. And then, you know, as a result of that, you know, the, the value of, of all of Exxon and Chevron and all of the others went up 60% after that proxy battle happened. Not because Exxon went and obviously not, as we saw with the dispute with Biden a year later, wasn't because Exxon went and sold, you know, repented their sins, sold all of their, sold all of their belongings and, and bought solar panels, but because Exxon acted like an energy company, and when energy prices went up, Exxon, like all the other energy companies that were acting like energy companies, made a ton of money. And so BlackRock's, BlackRock was a major player in that proxy victory. That little hedge fund had no prayer of winning if they didn't convince BlackRock to, to join their side. It should have been a major ESG victory, but it's not clear anywhere right now in Exxon's behavior that much has changed. Hmm. So I guess then the question then becomes, is this just the first step in a sort of long struggle where BlackRock and other ESG-based investment groups and advocacy groups, you know, you take three board seats, then you take three board seats the next term and that's when things change or, or do you think that it's a case of, well, all of this sounded really nice when the stock market was really high and there was a lot of money flying around and, you know, gas was $2 a gallon. And now that gas I think is that's... $4 a gallon and there isn't as much money flying around that. Right. That yeah, so on one, yeah, I'm sorry. That, 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 you know, these, some of these, at least the financial firms that were experimenting with ESG or were indulging ESG are going to all of a sudden become less indulgent as, you know, the, as the surplus gets uh, whittled down to the core. Yeah. Cops and robbers is a fun game to play until you have live ammunition in the, in the, uh, in the shooting. Right. So um, I think, Yes, that's that's true, all true. I think the run up in energy prices, the the I mean, we're who knows what we'll see with this uh, with the what could be a long cold winter in Europe with the war in Ukraine and and the um, the tricky issue of where they're getting their energy from could, could make it even a more severe um, problem. Um, I think surprisingly, all of surprisingly, that surprisingly trusting your your energy security to Russia may not have been prudent. Yes, and and the uh, so so that's all going to put uh, in a you know uh, unfortunately for all of the all of us and in, in, in the Europeans in particular on the on the bad end of of this of of, of these energy um, shortages the. Silver lining is that I think it's going to focus a much greater attention on just what the implications are of this agenda, and we're seeing it with the with with you know, BlackRock is is still I, I, you know there, there's evidence out that they're still very much on the the um, the S and the G portion of ESG, the environment stuff, not so much. I mean they're willing to. To, to get into little fights here and there to, to protect labor unions and and advanced um, um, identity politics stuff, which the, the first one um, is economically risky. The second one, identity politics items, you know, not so much in an economic sense. That it, it, yeah, it, it it's, it's, che- it's cheap indulgences with 
liberals who might otherwise be exactly. trying to look at your at your yeah your you're your, your investors aren't going to be able to point to any particular uh, damaging thing that has happened because you've you know decided to put quotas on who you're going to hire in certain ways and and and, uh, and you and you can and you can go to your investors and say look if we don't you know pay if we if we don't provide this ad- advantage to supporters of the liberal agenda you know they might come after us mm-hmm. and and there, there's you know i think probably some more support on on the soft end of some of these things for obviously hiring uh, you know corporate boards that look more like american stuff i mean there's arguably some you, you can morph into some broadly acceptable things that, that some of that may lead to. Um, on the environmental end, it's just a complete, you know, ignorance of physics and energy and how the entire economy works. And to ignore those things is to risk great damage to not just your energy investment, but everybody uses energy. Every company that you're going after to tell them that they need to go carbon free when their only option is the coal and the natural gas power plant for their electricity sure. is, uh, I, I, is I, I, believe, I believe Congressman Tom Massey, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, has the best uh, demonstration of this. Uh, he's a representative from Northern Kentucky uh, who drives a Tesla, which at least at one point had a bumper sticker that said powered by Kentucky coal. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So <laughs> all of those things are going to push a lot of the sensible companies, which is to say all of them that have shareholders who are going to, you know, are going to hold them accountable for the bottom line. Want to accomplish political ends instead. They're going to be pressured and they're already starting to show concerns about those pressures to do the right thing, the profitable thing. Um, they have them to their side, however, there are pol- political agendas mm-hmm. that could, like, you know, that SEC rule could, is designed to give company, and there's other things like that in Europe and, and other places that are designed to give those companies well, uh, either the carrot, giving them cover to do what the Enviro part of ESG thinks is, you know, the good and noble thing, give them cover, the corporate entities cover to say, we are doing the profitable thing. Look, this rule says we are. Um, And on the other... Or also the stick that, you know, you aren't doing what we, the SEC, want or we're going to come after you. Right. And so, ironically, this movement began as an effort to get corporations to accomplish the goals of the left that the left couldn't do politically. And now they are starting to fall back on political conventional political levers um the administrative state in this case of the sec not even a legislative uh, move because they can't pull that off to accomplish these goals um to push the companies around which is you know kind of kind of where we were before esg got moving so um but you know if they're coming in both directions they've got the corporations willing to kind of give lift We've got the pressure from political ends right, forcing right. them it's into the, it. The class, it's the classic question. You see it with big tech. You see it with, um, mm-hmm. you know, where the government, you the the company might 
be inclined or have a faction within it that's inclined to do some liberal thing. The government comes in and does some wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, nice company you have there. Shame if anything were to happen to it. Uh, Oh, by the way, we would like you to do X. Uh, You know, who's, who's coercing whom there, you know, kind of can get really fuzzy. And they are moving, you know, the judicial piece of this as well. Um, the liability piece of it. If you change the rules, then you open up, I would say, to, you know, if the SEC says you must climate risks you know, on all of, you know, as, as we define them, and you disclose your climate risks and you're violating, you know, you're taking a bunch of climate risks, so quote unquote, that you, that, that as per the rule, don't make any sense that you're just too riskily spending your money or investing your money in public corporation, does that now open you up to lawsuits because you're being irresponsible, as this new rule says, um, by SEC standard? Before, the onus was to say, you are supposed to be, you know, you, you, you must invest wisely and, in, in, you know, for, for the profitability of your, of your shareholders. Well, if you create this, and you could be sued for not doing that. Now, if you create this other standard, can you be sued for violating that standard? Because the government, the regulatory body itself, has said, here, the, these are the standards that are, that are responsible investing. And if you're in violation of those, a class action lawsuit can be brought against you by, you know, the loopiest of your shareholders. Um Changing the changing the uh, changing the language is is a uh, is a dangerous thing, and and that's I think what they're after there. All right. Well, on that note, thanks again to my colleague Ken Braun for joining us. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.